0: Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk Good morning. He's supposed to be fast asleep, as you can see. Eyes wide open. Those listening, i got Felix in a baby carrier, just looking around very happily. Um... Could I just get you all to close your eyes? You trust me, don't you? Just. Um, and in your mind, i just like you to picture, imagine whatever has kind of been going on and has been weighing you down and wearing you out. Just imagine that. And then physically, just put your hands out and just say, either out loud or in your mind, Jesus, I give you. And then, whatever it is, busyness illness, whatever it is, just give it to Jesus, and say, Jesus, I give you this. And as you're giving it to him, just ask him, Jesus, what do you give me in return? and just hold on to that He's come to do an exchange He takes away our rubbish the stuff we shouldn't be carrying and He gives in return out of His goodness out of His greatness, out of His kindness something that's far better than we had Thank you, Jesus. And in a season like Christmas is busy, you can open your eyes if you want, or you can just keep dozing away, I would. It's very easy to lose focus, and as we're worshipping, I usually like to ask, ask the Father to show me what's going on, and I always expect these amazing visions of throne room and whatever. What I got this morning was a couple of angels on the edge of a cloud with a pea shooter shooting down, randomly just taking aim in kind of amongst us. Um, and I was kind of thinking, mm, this quite a sweet little picture, but what's the point of that? Um, and I felt that god God is saying to us, don't get in, into complacency. Just because it's Christmas, just because it's time off, don't get complacent. That he still has things to give to you, he still has things to talk to you about. Just there, wake up. So there were a few few pieces flying about. And it's good to be reminded that he never switches off. I think I might have to lose the baby because I can't hold the mic. It's there Ah, oh, baby whisperer? Okay, I can see my notes now. He was just, his head was just hovering over where the notes were. So, this morning, we are talking on Luke 2. Oh, I'm talking and you're listening. Um, did you have any luck, John? I asked an impossible task of finding a picture as I arrived, quarter past ten. Um, so, if he has found a picture, it should appear. If not, you just have to imagine the picture. That's the one. So this morning is Anna and Simon in the temple. So baby Jesus was born. He was about 40 days old when Mary and Joseph took him to the temple for two reasons. So he'd been circumcised when he was eight days old. And at 40 days, there's a purification that you did after childbirth. And you two, it was two doves, very Christmassy, that you paid, if you, if you were poor, you paid two doves for the ritual. But the other ritual that was happening was the consecration of the firstborn, Jesus being the firstborn of Joseph. So that, that's why they went to the temple for. And whilst they were in the temple, there was this old man, Simon, who the Holy Spirit, God had promised that he would not die before he sees the salvation of the Lord, before he sees the Messiah. And moved by the Holy Spirit, he turns up, grabs hold of the baby, and just starts worshipping God and just saying, I can die now, basically, because I've everything you said to me has happened. And while he was doing that, Anna, who was a prophetess, also came and recognised baby Jesus as the Messiah, and got excited. Um, and I just love, love this picture, because it's as captured, you can just see Simon there, with a big smile on his face. He's had this promise from God that you will see Messiah. For a long, long time. And then when it's fulfilled, just imagine the joy. And Anna, she was 84 years old. 84 in those days, that would have been ancients. And nowadays it's pretty good going as well. It's pretty good innings, 84. And there's something very touching about it. And I love Mary and Joseph. I, I, I always wonder, did they kind of actually know who Jesus was. I know they had the angels and everybody had said these amazing words, but did they really, really capture who Jesus was? Maybe they just thought he was just an amazing prophet. And if you think of in the family, they had had John the Baptist already with a very miraculous birth story. So it was kind of, wasn't really anything out of ordinary in the family. Angels appear and babies appear. And um, So from that point of view, they just might have thought he was a very, very special baby, but did they really realize he was the Messiah? And then to have these two old people descend on them, crap the baby off them, and just get all excited about seeing the Messiah. I think I'll read it out. That was my paraphrase version. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do him for what the custom of the law required, Simon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. Light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of, oh dear, redemption, is the long words, they're difficult, of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their home, their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And to me, this passage always speaks about the fulfillment of promise, fulfillment of a prophecy. And there's two different types of promises or prophecies that are going on at the same time. You have Simeon, who God had given a personal word. Holy Spirit has said, you, Simeon, will see the Messiah before you die. But then there was also a very generic promise that was for all of us, that we will be saved. And that was the promise Anna carried. And I love, I love the way how both of the promises actually happened in the same little passage. And Simon actually, the meaning of the name is hearing or listening. So the name he had been given was one that led you to think he was the one who listened to Holy Spirit and he said in, in the passage the Holy Spirit was on him. And he was moved by the Holy Spirit. And for us, there's something very significant about that because we can, each one of us, we have prophecies, we have promises that God has given to us over our lives. But there is a side that he has given the word, but then we have to keep listening to him and to be willing to act when, we've prom- when we are prompted by the Holy Spirit. So just because God has spoken a word over you, doesn't mean it will happen. It's an invitation for you to step into. Like Simon, he had been given a promise that he would see the Messiah. But when he was prompted by the Holy Spirit, he could "Oh, it's my tea time now, well, I'll finish my cup of tea and then go. By which time he would have missed them because you come and do your ceremony and then you go out. So for us, there is a responsibility to claim the promises and be willing to continually be listening to the Holy Spirit and listening to his, sometimes it's a little whispering to say, do this, do that, go there. So we listen and we act. Simon listened and he acted. He walked out because he wasn't in the temple, but he came to the temple prompted by the Holy Spirit. And the wonderful thing is for each one of us, we have these promises and they are invitations and they have their origins in heaven. God has spoken them over your life. And it's his heart's desire to see them fulfilled. Like, it was his heart's desire for Simon to see the Messiah. And I love the way he actually grabs the baby. He's so, so excited. He's carried this promise for years. And when it finally happens, he just doesn't know what to do. He just, blokes don't usually crap babies, apart from kids who is wonderful and is a baby whisperer. But on the whole, it's the ladies who are gravitated towards babies. But there he was, he was just so overjoyed by actually being able to hold the Messiah, not only to see him, but hold him. And his response was praise and thanksgiving. And I love the way how he declares that it wasn't just the Jew, it was for all people. It was for Gentiles and the Jews. So right from the beginning of when Jesus started his journey on earth, it was declared that it was, he was there for all of us. He was to be Messiah for all of us. And I always, you kind of do wonder, because sometimes you do get random people coming up to you and saying, oh, can I just hold your baby? It's fine when you know the person. You don't really, that's absolutely fine. You don't mind it. But if you, if I was out kind of going to the health visitor or something, we don't really have ch- ceremonies like... They had, but you have things that you do as a routine. So I kind of, if I go to health visitors, I'd be rather taken back if somebody just comes up and craps Felix, and just goes starts going amazing. He's got such a promise on his life. Fantastic. But you do kind of, you would look look at them and go, what's that about? But I just kind of Mary and Joseph, they almost just rolled with it. This kind of okay. I guess they by that point they'd had shepherds turning up, that angels turning up. So one old man in a temple wasn't really much of a surprise, it was kind of on the realms of normality. But it's it's good to be happy. (laughs) It's good when when you have waited for something, and when it happens, you have a permission to be jubilant. You don't, I think, as a society, kind of, we don't always know how to celebrate when something that we've waited for a long time happens. And it's actually okay. Because I think the Finns are even more reserved than the Brits. So people would think you're bragging if you kind of just say, oh, this amazing thing happened. But actually, it's good to say thank you to Jesus. He gave me promise and it came to pass. And by doing that, you're actually inviting others to share in your joy. You're inviting others to share in your promise. And that's what Anna did. She hadn't been given a specific word about the Messiah, but she was in the temple all the time. And I think she must have sensed something change in the atmosphere that attracted her to Jesus. And her reaction was to go and tell everybody who she knew in the temple were waiting for Jesus about him. So there is fast, there is an outward reaction of when God does something, is so, so good to just speak it out and share it with others because not only it just sinks into a bit more into your spirit that actually the thing just happened but it also raises the faith in other people when they hear of the amazing things that God has done to you and that's why it's so powerful to share testimonies because when you're going through hard times you can actually remember actually I remember so and so shared They got healed. I can be healed. And it's not that you don't yourself believe that God can heal you, but there is something in the power of words of speaking out of what God has done that invites you. It just raises your faith as well. And I love, with Anna, it was kind of... It was interesting that for Simon he was a Simeon, but for Anna, they named her father, and they named the tribe that she came from. And the little geek in me got all excited, are kind of, there must be a reason why you would do that, because you don't want to waste your words on irrelevant information, do you? You put words down because they mean something. So I spent a little time, looking at what does it mean to be Asherite, or from the tribe of Asher. And actually, there was, when Jacob and his family went to Egypt, there was a long list of names, and one of the daughters of Asher was named by name. Usually it's just the sons that got named, but the daughter... I can't pronounce the name, it was kind of Shakira or something, but that was kind of the, because I know the pop star. So it sounded like her name, but it wasn't her name. But this lady was mentioned by name. But interestingly, when they the tribes that came out of Egypt, she was there as well. So she must have been a very young girl when they came to Egypt and had very fruitful full life and was still alive when they left Egypt. And according to Jewish tradition, or kind of oral um, history, the daughters of Asher were very sought after by kings and high priests as wives. So there was something in them that s- stood them apart from all the other beautiful ladies in the country. There was something in their hearts that just made them perfect wives for high priests and kings. Um, and then it's very interesting to read of Anna being of the tribe of Asher, and she's living in the temple after being widowed. So you kind of in my mind was thinking, I day if she'd been married to one of the high priests. And after he died, she just stayed in the temple because that was where she felt she was called. And she was also named as a prophetess. And this is one of the only prophetesses mentioned in New Testament. And I, I love the fact that how everything kind of... God is just so amazing when he kind of weaves details together. Because in Old Testament, I think in Deuteronomy, when you, need, when you need something to kind of be made official, you need two witnesses. And here you have Jesus being brought to the temple for the first time to his father's house. And you have two witnesses. And I love the way how it's... This, the two different types of promises. You have the personal promise and the generic promise, both there. You had Simon as a male, Anna as a female, both there. And you had, uh, it, it, it's just, I just love details like that. And I think it's kind of, it got just, he's got the details so beautifully. I think sometimes we just missed all the wonderful little things that he does and just take them for granted. But here he's orchestrated the whole thing. And I think for me the significant thing is that they were in the temple in Jerusalem. They didn't have to go to Jerusalem. They could have gone to any other temple or synagogue for these ceremonies, but they went to Jerusalem. And I think there was something in the, this is my old, own wild imagination. So test it with the Holy Spirit and see if, agrees with you or not, but for me there was a something very significant about Jesus going to the temple because it was his father's house and it was almost he was coming home, he was putting his stake in the ground and saying this is my place this is my father's house and obviously as a baby he couldn't do anything he was brought there but I just love the fact that Mary and Joseph went there because when you have a baby 40 days old that's can't do maths, six weeks Seven weeks, seven times six, 42, something like that. So when you have a little baby, it's quite an effort to go anywhere. And in those days, they wouldn't have car seats and isofixes and whatever. You would have literally been bundling the baby along in a sheet, if you're lucky, or just dragging under your arm. But they made the journey from Bethlehem, where he was born, to Jerusalem, which was about six or seven miles, I think. which would have taken them a fair good couple of hours But they wanted to go there, and I think there's a very logical side. If you look at the map of Israel, then from there on, they went to Nazareth, which is kind of past Jerusalem. So it it did kind of make practical sense. But I think sometimes as a parent, you want to go for the easiest option. So for me, I would just take him into a temple or synagogue in Bethlehem and been done with it. And then I can just journey as I want, whereas going to a new place where you're not the familiar with places, is always more of an effort to sort everything out. Where do you find your, find your doves or pigeons? Um, but Mary and Joseph chose to go to the temple in Jerusalem. And that was the first time Jesus was in the temple. And then I'm sure all of you remember when he was 12 years old, um, they went for Passover or other random festival again. And Jesus stayed behind. And a couple of days later, his parents realize he 's not traveling home with the troops and panic but run back to Jerusalem and find Jesus in the temple with the priests and the learned people. and everybody was amazed of his wisdom and understanding and then he fast forward again when he 's 30, he turns up and tears the place down with the people who were selling and turning the temple into marketplace. And for me, there was this something very significant of those times when Jesus was in the temple. And it was kind of almost each stage of his life. He was there as a baby. Then he was there at 12 when it would have been bar mitzvah time, when he kind of transitioned from childhood to being young, adult, teenager, whatever. And then again, when he was 30, when is the kind of, that's when you normally came into your inheritance. And each one of those times, he went into the temple he went into his father's house. And there was something about the legal position that almost carried in the spiritual realm for Jesus. That he went into a place where he was recognized as the son. And I'm sure, kind of, I guess for me it goes back to his birth, and I'm sure there must have been lots of mutters about, kind of, all. Oh, the baby came too soon before the, after the marriage and blah blah blah, and even though there was angels and whatever, there must have been such a murmurings around Jesus when he was growing up, and the shame that would have been attached to that, that then you kind of put that in perspective with when he went into his father's house, and the honour that came to him through that. Um, uh, I'm aware that I'm not being very coherent, but I hope you catch something in in my spirit. There's something something in that that really excites me. That there was he came to a place of recognition in the spiritual realms when he came to the temple, and even as a baby, when he came, there was a shift in the atmosphere. How else would Anna have Anna known that this baby was the Messiah? Something must have shifted in the atmosphere when Mary and Joseph carried Jesus in, to make her aware, because she was always in the temple, so she would have been, as a prophetess, she would have been very aware of the spiritual atmosphere of the place. And there would have been tens and tens of babies every day. And then this one baby was brought in, and all of these things happened. So even as a baby, Jesus had authority that he carried in his spirit, that was recognized by Anna, And I think for me there's part of that that for us we can be very flippant and kind of well oh, I can being honest. You you sometimes you just kind of just get so busy with your normal life that you just completely forget about the spiritual side. You get up, feed the baby, put clothes on, feed Elsie, stop her tearing the house down make sure Henrik gets to school, make sure he irons his uniform properly, make sure he has breakfast. And by the time it's time to sit down, it's quarter past nine, and the whole day has gone, and it's kind of completely passed by me what's been going on in the spiritual realm, just trying to make sure that we actually survive in the natural. And I guess there is a side that kind of this spiritual realm is always there, but it's for us, it's an invitation just to kind of, when things are going on, invitation just to just ask, what's going on? Like this morning, the angels with the peace shooters. And it's for, I think for me, it's about just becoming more sensitive to what God wants to say to you. So that like Simon, when Holy Spirit moved him, he was able to recognize that's the Holy Spirit and then follow what the Holy Spirit wanted him to do. And I guess for me, the season I'm in in my life, it is very busy with the little ones. And it, it's kind of, this morning I could have, I, I probably had two, three hours sleep because the baby was up, Elsie was up, David is poorly, that's why he's not here. So it was kind of very, very broken night's sleep. And I could have kind of just come in and had a go, oh, good old moan, but actually in everything there is a blessing and I have an amazing husband and I have amazing kids and I can choose to be thankful for them or I can choose to moan and crone about the bad things that are going on and it's very easy to just to focus on the kind of what's the bad thing, I made a finished Christmas loaf yesterday first time ever Um, baked it, it looks beautiful, cut the first piece, realized I didn't put any salt in the mixture. <laughs> so it looks beautiful, but it doesn't taste anything. And again, I could have had a good old moan about that, or I can make a joke ch- ch- about it. But in everything, we have an invitation to see what is the blessing in this situation, rather than focusing what's on the good thing. And he- here's some shameless advertising. If you haven't bought Rebecca's book, go and do that. Because she's amazing at being able to see what God's doing, regardless of the circumstances. Ten pounds available from the back <laughs> you're welcome. you can pay me later <laughs> or you can get them from Amazon at twelve pounds but don't Rebecca needs her garage back. so but it's been. It's just a, just a testimony, to, it doesn't really matter what's going on in your life There isn't always two sides, you can focus on the side God wants you to focus or you can focus on the side that your earthly, woe is me, nature wants to focus on I'm quite aware there's kind of a big rumbling sermon this morning um, It's kind of a little bit of pick and mix, so just take the bits that fit you and leave the rest Or you can listen to the podcast and see if there's anything else next time. But I I guess I just felt that the whole thing with Anna and Simon, it was about waiting for your promise. That what do you do when you are in the season of waiting? And how do you position yourself? That when the time comes, you're ready to go. And I really felt that the one thing God was challenging me with was our preconceptions and how we can sometimes we can limit God with the way we think something is going to look like that when He gives us a promise in our minds we think it 's going to look like this um, and we had a one of the prophetic words we had is kind of it 's talking about God provi- providing for us, and one of the lines is kind of You need a chicken and chicken will come and in my mind, I was kind of Interpreted as that that must be pretty desperate. You must be pretty poor not to be able to buy a chicken. Whereas actually it turned out, it was it was you, Pat. It was after Felix was born. Doorbell went, and Pat was there with cooked chicken. And we didn't. I hadn't didn't have anything for lunch that day, and I needed a chicken, and chicken came. And but it was how different it was from how I'd imagined. I'd imagined kind of we'd been kind of down the last penny, not being able to buy food. Whereas actually, the reality was that it was just very, very busy, we were very, very tired, hadn't been, had a chance to go to the shop, and didn't have any food, and the chicken came. And God is m- wonderful because he was still able to bless me with the promise, even though it didn't look like I wanted it to look like. But that's the kind of God's promise is still a promise even if it doesn't look like you how you want it to look like. So I think it's a challenge for all of us, not letting our earthly expectations to limit our heavenly promises. And I think if you're anything like me, you kind of have a tendency to think too small sometimes, um, because actually God's plans are so much better and so much bigger that we can usually, even beginning to imagine. But in that, there's a side of being just willing to say yes. Um, And it kind of, it wouldn't be faith if you didn't really have to kind of make a leap for it, would it? Uh, The first time we went to Toronto, in, in our minds, we were just going for a week's conference, and then our pastors have said, oh, why don't you just go for a month? And we were kind of, no, no, we're going for, thankfully students at the time, so we could go for a month. But in our, we just wanted to go and capture what God had in Toronto. And for us, that was going for conference. Whereas our pastors said, oh, they do this leader school. At the time, we ran the crash. We had three kids we weren't exactly leaders but he says I feel that you should go for the whole month I'm happy to recommend you you serve in position of leaders if, even though it was just the three little naughty noisy toddlers but he was happy to just write a letter and release us to go and off we went we went stood alone wonderful thing um, but it was a blessing if we'd just gone for the conference which is normally a few days we wouldn't have got the same blessing that we did for going for the whole whole month. And you'll have to ask David about his testimony of the last night, because for him, we just went there for one thing and one thing only, and it was to be touched by God. And as the weeks went on, we had wonderful time, we had amazing teaching, but he hadn't had this wow moment, and literally the last evening, we had to go and catch the plane in two hours time, and there was wham. So you'll have to get him to share that, because it's a wonderful testimony, and it's the best flight home he's ever had. I saw the food because he was too happy with the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. So, I've sidetracked. So, not to be limited by what you think is the right thing to do. Just being being open to what the Holy Spirit has for you. And I... have got lots of things I could say, but just trying to think what's the one thing because i loved worship this morning and i'd love to spend some more time in worship this is it what are you living for simon he'd had the promise from god you will see my mis- my plan for salvation that was what simon was living for because when once he seen messiah he was that was it i can die now what are you living for? Why do you keep going? It ain't to change more nappies, definitely not. There must be more to life than that. So what are you living for? And also the other kind of, just little nugget that I felt God was saying to me was that don't dismiss the hidden and seemingly insignificant seasons because we so easy to write those times off nothing's happening I can't see anything happening it's not even going the direction where I think God wants me to go but what he's actually saying is don't dismiss those seasons because that's when most of your growth happens when you're focusing on Him, rather than what's going on around you. But don't dismiss those seasons. Because if you think of a seed, you put it in a crown. And for a long time, nothing happens. And then one day, a plant appears. But for the plant to appear, there's been so much that has been happening in the unseen, under the ground. And the plant wouldn't be the plant. It is if the roots hadn't taken time to grow. So don't dismiss the season where you think nothing is happening. God's still in it. And he's usually brewing up something big. Something that's better, bigger and wilder than your imagination would even let you to think. But for each one of us, It's funny, being brought up in a church, I always used to kind of, when people started to talk about the return of the Lord, that was when I switched off, I thought they were wacky, being honest here. Because some people would get really, really excited about it. But actually, I'm joining them. Jesus is coming back, and it's going to be good. But while we're waiting for that, there's things in our lives that he's promised us, spoken over us, that he wants us to remember and take hold of. And like Simon, be ready to move when the Holy Spirit nudges us. And like Anna, just to be aware of what's happening in the spiritual realms. Last one little nugget. I love the fact that the angel named Jesus before he was even conceived. And for each one of us, God named you even before you're conceived. There was things that he's putting into you, into your identity, into your being, that were there before your parents even thought about you. And that's amazing. So, if you remember nothing else, remember what are you living for. Don't dismiss the hidden insignificant seasons. And remember that your ideas are not always the same than God's plan. So don't let your preconceptions put him in a box. I think that's it. Amen.